Gentlemen, welcome back to Stories Out of Time and Space. I'm SAW1204, and as always, I'm joined by LDH1006. How are you doing? You okay, LDH? <laughs> I'm feeling very mellow. Yeah. I, I, I'm on the right, uh, just the right amount of uh, medication. You just how nicely balanced. Yeah, I'm feeling nicely balanced, is how I'm doing. I think uh, I've had all, all uh, emotion and. Uh, Ability to rebel taken from me. I think that's how I'm feeling. Uh, yeah, so ladies and gentlemen, today we are going to be talking about a George Lucas film. Um, and uh, his, well, not his, uh, his first science fiction film, let's put it that way. Um, we're going to be talking about THX1138, which obviously was eventually used as the name for uh, his sound company, which is probably where everyone, everyone will have seen THX. A number of times, and probably never would never know where it's come from because this film is not widely distributed and not widely known. Really, um, it's obviously been surpassed by Star Wars and everything else, um, and we shall see whether that's rightfully so. But uh, yeah, nineteen seventy one, THX one one three eight. So, Julian, what are your first thoughts on on the, the, for some reason the THX uh, eleven thirty eight action figures didn't take off. Um, <laughs> you know the bold the, the Robert robot. Duval figures were never that popular. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. The um, you know the 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 robots with the um sort of silver faces uh were not as successful as the stormtroopers. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Can I just point out? There's something else I want to point out early on, and in fact, there's two things we need to sort of highlight early on. Uh, the first one is we have done lots and lots of films, and we've covered lots of actors a number of times, like you know, around the same period, like we did Vanilla Sky and Minority Report, but on two different seasons, right? So we've had Tom Cruise multiple times. We've done um, a couple of others that popped up. This is the first time that we have had an actor go from episode to episode in a consecutive order. We've, this is this was by accident, and we've never had it before. And the fact it's Donald Pleasance is kind of bizarre. <laughs> oh, I, I forgot. Is, is he? Was he in uh... Fantastic Voyage? He was the. Uh, yeah. He was the crazy professor, sort of uh, that, that you know went nuts at the end, and he's oh, okay. he's Sen in this film. So yeah, yeah Donald right. Pleasance of all people ends up getting <laughs> sort of like the golden headphones. Um, uh, so that's the first point, which I thought I'd just point out. The second point is, uh, and this is something we will address. Um, as we go through the version of the film that Julian and I both watched uh, for this is um, what we shall refer to, I suppose, as the special editions. Um, I didn't know this existed. I just watched the version that was on, uh, was available to me on streaming. Um, and within minutes, I was like, wow, this was really impressive sort of like, you know, upgrade <laughs> they've done for the, the, to the picture. Um, and the effects were good for 71. No, there weren't the 1971 effects. There was actually George Lucas went back and special edition this an awful lot of cgi cleaned up shots added backgrounds so on and so forth so what we've watched is the 
director's upgrade. I mean, it's not really a director's cut. The time he hasn't changed. Mm. The, he hasn't changed new scenes or added, added new dialogue. He's just added special effects. Um, so that is worth noting because it does kind of change parts of the film. But yeah, I mean, I think I think it makes the film a little more tolerable, frankly. Yes. Um, I mean, this was a movie I've never seen this before. Um, this was a movie that I've known about my whole life, right? Mm. You know, um, I mean, everybody, I mean, you said like it, it's not circulated. It's not widely known. I mean, I feel like everybody knows this movie exists. But, you yeah. know, I mean, Lucas is famous. We mm. all know this movie exists, but nobody, nobody watches it. Um, mm. And, you know, I mean, I know a few people who have, but, um, but it's, 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 it's like a completist. No, it's like a completionist, like a completionist film, isn't it? It's that thing of oh, I want to do George Lucas's sci-fi, you know, oeuvre. And you go, okay, well, I've done the Star Wars films, so I need to go back and watch THX one one three. I mean, one of the things is that this is um, this is an, this film is an expansion of a student film that he did, mm-hmm. which is the first thing. And one thing I would say is that's painfully evident. I would say, <laughs> um, yeah. It's you know, and it's not it's not that this film is a bad film, actually. There's some bits I kinda like. But it's not That's going straight on the movie poster. There's some bits I kind of like. <laughs> Scott Weatherly. <laughs> this is why we yeah, you know, like you know, this is why we remain unknown because our, our criti- criticism is like, yeah, it's all right. Um But yeah, I don't know. There was just there's something about this film that um it feels like they filmed, like you know, the amount of footage needed for a feature-length mm. film. But there's vast parts of this film where I'm just like, "Huh, you don't really know what the story is anymore, do you?" Like mm. you've just gone off on some weird tangent of something else, and this seems completely unrelated. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how to feel about that. Um, you know, I mean, this is his his first feature-length film. Mm-hmm. Like you said, it's an expansion of a student film. It does feel that way, but. I think being more used to the commercial Lucas, um, you know, I, my first impression was how experimental it was Mm -hmm. that, you know, a lot of what you're talking about is like the meandering quality, the way that certain, I mean, you often have a feeling that shots are just in there because they were looked cool, you know? I mean, like, that was interesting, that looked cool. Yeah, we just put that in there. And that is unsettling, but it's also kind of charming, especially for mm. Lucas. Um, it's certainly not what I'm, you know, what I was expecting. No, no, no I agree. And if anything, actually, some of the parts I kind of like are the more experimental parts. Like, the, some, of the, some of the weirdness of this film is kind of what got me. Uh, and the, not even... Um, because some of the visuals are striking, like you know, I can see you know you in watching this, um, and obviously there's, there's this is the updated version, but there's scenes in this that are unnerving. There's some scenes that are like you know that are decidedly weird, um, and there's a character that comes in later on, SRT, uh, who's the sort of the tall, the tall black guy, and there's this really weird. There's a statement he makes later on about being a hologram. Yeah. And it's sort of like, and even like Robert Duvall's character, THX, is a bit like, huh? What? Like, it, and it's, but like, you know, there's these, these moments where sort of like it throws you off kilter slightly. 
and I do like that, and I do like that thing. It just it just feels still like there's it was stretched to thirty. You know, mm. the whole. But we'll get to it. I mean, the plot in in and of itself. I'll give a quick summary in a second. It's not um, hugely original. I mean, you know, no. it's um, it, it's clearly sort of like a nineteen eighty four uh, knockoff. Brave New World. Brave New World. Yeah, it's, it, it, yeah, it's that combination. Yeah. yeah, it's that combination of those kind of stories. I mean, the, the, the story is sort of a future. You know, I think it's twenty fifth century, a future world. The human race lives underground because the surface world has been destroyed by. Um, environmentalism or environmental catastrophe or nuclear war or something, they're very so sure. Um, well, but we don't know that. I mean, in, in fact, it's not clear at all that the world has been destroyed. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we never see the world above until the last shot, right? Yeah. I mean, which is kind of cool. But um, it's not at all clear that what you're told by the robots uh, that the world is, it's not safe above mm-hmm. ground is actually correct. So, we really don't know anything about that. No. And I think one of the things that's most interesting but also most frustrating about this film is how it little it tells you about like the you wider. were mentioning about yeah, about yeah, the wider yeah. world, but even about the world you're in. Yeah. And why, you know, like I mean, they don't speak uh present day English, which is no. charming, but it's also frustrating because you don't know like, you know, you sort of slowly clue in that it's a very people are not reproducing sexually anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to and that everybody's on drugs. But you, nobody ever tells you this. It doesn't have the like crawl at the beginning. It doesn't have the Star Wars crawl to tell you, you know, I almost wonder if that was fe- yeah, I almost wonder if that was feedback. If someone was like, right, George, you need to have a bit more exposition. He's gone, right. How about if I write it down? And to, and to show everyone, like, <laughs> that's way to go. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree, and that's one of the. You write about it being charming in that way, and it's one of the things I do like about this. We've said this about a couple of films where you just sort of thrown in, and sort of like you have to keep up or you have to to catch up. And I, I, I kind of I, that's one of the things I do again. I kind of respect about this film is, um, there is no sort of like exposition blurb where you end up sort of like meeting a character that's sort of going to tell you everything that's gone on with the world and go like, you know, um, which I think we've got Logan, we've got Logan run on the, on the list, which is a very sort of, you know, got a similar sort of uh, bent to it. And again, mm. you know, we'll talk about when we get to that, but you, you get a similar character in that where everyone's like, well, the world was destroyed and you know, da, 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 da. And um, there's none of that. It's just sort of like, well, this is almost like a day in the life. Like for everybody else in this world, it's a day in the life. But you don't understand the word, and this is the, one of the things I would say that's a, that becomes frustrating. I like to be able to catch. You know, said like, if you get thrown in and you have to catch up, that's great because I do kind of like that because it puts you off kilter, or you have to catch up with the world. You know, you know it's a, it's a, it, as we've said, like an alien place. It's supposed to be alien, and so I kind of like mm-hmm. that. But at least give us a frame where things sort of make sense, because when they do sort of this, you, you like you say, you pick up on the drugs that you know that's their control mechanism. <clears throat> you pick up on. The way the relationships work, they're assigned a, a, a partner um, or like a, a mate, as they refer to them, mm-hmm. and this other stuff. And there's this sort of like these hologram televisions and all these other bits and pieces. But one of the things that's sort of like, yeah, then they go into this white room that just seems vast and endless. But that's like the prison later on. Yeah. Yeah. Like later on, and you're like, okay, well, there's only like they keep walking, and that's where they meet SRT. And then there's like, okay, well, I've been walking in this distance, and it's like, oh, well, I've got to go back. So they start walking back, and then they find a door that just comes out in a corridor. And you're like, mm-hmm. right, how does this 
connect to things like at, at least give me some sort of t- tangible geography that i'm able to sort of understand how this works um because everything else sort of like you know when there's corridors and stuff i'm like oh, okay i get it there's going to be underground corridors i'm fine but then that thing just throws me off completely where i'm like mm. i don't understand how this this fits into this thing i don't know how it works what the, what's the guard system how is it they can just leave like and then they go on the run like it all just seems well, yeah, I, I mean, you're right. That's not that's not done very well. That does feel very student film. I mean, and I think that, you know, another thing about this sort of decentralization, this kind of, um, you know, feeling of disorientation that we have, we're constantly being shown like people in control rooms saying things. And mm-hmm. you have, I mean, it's kind of charming. You have, uh, you know, television. Uh, well, they have hologrammatic, you know, projectors, right? Mm. So... You're constantly hearing, and then you have, you have this religion thing, you know, where you and you hear these sayings, but you don't know what they mean. And a lot of times it's not clear what they do mean or, you know, like, is this a crisis? Is this not? Is this normal? Is this not? You don't really know who's talking, whether this represents, a, you know, religion that that's separate from the state or, you know, you, there's so much that you just don't know. And mm. I think that's. That's part of the charm. I mean, you're hearing these sentences that get cut off in the middle of the sentence all the time, all the time that people yes. are saying in control rooms. And, you know, you're just sort of left to absorb it as best you can. And I, and that's really ambitious. I mean, you know, mm. for Lucas, to me, I find it kind of, I mean, I don't know how th- that I like this film, but um, I don't dislike it. And I, and I do think that for Lucas, that seems like, where did this Lucas go? Where did that, yes. you know, like that, this is like the guy I want, you know, like imagine <laughs> this guy given you know, the money to do Star Wars, just going, doing stuff that's just throws people into an alien universe. And, you know, they don't explain midichlorians or whatever. Yeah. No, you. One of the things I was sort of... Um... As I was watching this, I was making connections, as you said, to other films. Star Wars was not one of them, which is what I was so confused. Like, oh, wow. I was expecting to be like, oh, I can see where Star Wars came from. Like, There's a couple of shots where I'm like, oh, okay, I can sort of see that and stuff. But there's vast things from going like, okay, I'm seeing uh, Blade Runner. As I said, I was related to like 1984, Brave New World. That, but the booth, when when uh, Robert Duval goes into that, like, say, the religious booth, and you've got the sort of mm. the, figure of christ and he's sort of he's confessing it's a confessional booth and this thing is just regurgitating sort of like you know positive affirmations to him and he's sort of like you know he's confessing this thing's going like you know well yes we understand why and you know but you are good and you are da 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 and i was like this is a good idea but nothing ever feels fully fleshed out like you say it's never sort of resolved because you do then get again later on sort of donald pleasance's character uh sen ends up in one of those sort of like um, churches of this religion, mm. but like you say, but, but it never. It, it, and it's an interesting thing because you, you know, I can, I sort of see what Lucas is after, where he's trying to say, look, like look at the control and how religion is a control device, and he's trying to make this comment. But we've not seen enough of how these priests or how this religious element sort of controls society. Like, do they have to stop every day at a certain time to do, to engage mm. with it? Do they have to do? Is there a punishment if you don't? Like. You never see enough for it to actually have an impact. So that when Sen breaks into this place and starts trashing it and stuff, it doesn't have the impact I think that George Lucas wants it to have. Um, and there's a couple of things like that. But I'm still like, 
this is actually like you say, but there's an experimentalism to this. Where I'm like, if this was a bit more fleshed out, if it was thought out, mm. like we said a few times, if it was given another draft, like there's something here that's really good. <laughs> mm. Um, but yeah, it yeah, I mean, and, and there is an aesthetic to it mm. that you know, especially to the bald heads and everything, um, that I think is 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 really good. I mean, and you know, also to the sort of names, you know. The way they 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 all have these three letter surnames, you know, prefix, mm -hmm. and then you know digits afterwards. But they call each other like thick, you know, thicks or you know that uh, sen, you know, that they call each other by those those prefixes as if they're a first name. Yeah. Um, but you know, the other thing, the other thing that I found very confusing is that. Um, I mean, you mentioned the religious thing. I mean, it, it, it sort of feels like something that could be in Videodrome. It sort of feels like something that could be in, like, Tommy, you know? Mm. Um, it's ambitious, but you're right. It does, like, it leaves more questions. I found myself wondering, it doesn't seem as if the OM 0000, is, is, which is cool, is mm. responding. Yeah, like, it's clearly is hearing the audio, but it's not responding intelligently. No. These are like prefabbed answers. So this can't be emotionally confirming for people. So why do they then go to make these confessions? Um, is yeah, this is being it, recorded by the state? Exactly. You know? That's what I was thinking. Um, is it required? Yeah. Right. And uh, I mean, and is there a microphone in there that the state is picking up on what they're confessing to? Mm. I don't know. Um, because he is confessing, the things he's confessing are against, you know, because he's confessing about, like, he thinks there's something wrong with his mate, um, mm -hmm. um, is it LHD? Like, you know, he's, he's saying, like, she's not, I'm not entirely sure she's taking her, uh, you know, her drugs, and, like, she's acting weird, and so he's basically sort of selling her out, and uh, LUH, yeah, and so, like, you know, like you say, does that result in anything? Like, it, do, it sort of does, because they get split up, and he ends up sort of with Sen for but, a period but of time. It, I don't like, think it does, because... Mm. I don't, well, see, <laughs> there is this question that I have, which is like, you're introduced to this state controlled society, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it's a classic sort of fascist uh, society. Okay. But then, you know, one question in any one of, in any presentation like that is how much control do you really have, right? Yeah. I mean, are there rebels running around that, you know, are out of view of the cameras? I mean, how much. Are, in private, do they really do what they want? And and so because you're never really shown, you never really have a sense of the society. No. Um, and so, you know, right from the start, you have, um, you know, first of all, this idea of him saying that his uh, mate is, he's concerned for her. She switches out pills, mm -hmm. which is ultimately what causes him to, have sex with her and then to uh, screw up at his job mm -hmm. and, you know, causes basically the entire plot is really instigated by his mate. Who um, then, then disappears from the film for a, like, a vast portion. And who was killed off screen, most yes. likely. Um, but then, you know, it's like, well, how common is that? Do are other people not taking the drugs? And then you have the the other character, the other you know male character, uh, Sen, who is in the computer system assigning people mates, and you know, and you think, well, that's obviously super criminal. 
Mm. That seems super easy for him to do. How often are people, is it, you know, like, I, I feel like it's either got to be a fascist, strictly controlled society, or it's one where, you know, people routinely, you know, like you say the good thing and you say you're a good Christian and you love the state, but then you go home and do whatever you want, like uh, Gilead or, or something, you know, yeah. like it's all it's all hypocritical. And this isn't really either. And this is the thing, though, I think, um, you know, I think what is that thing of what, what is Lucas trying to portray? Like, you know, what, it's, it's almost like he wants to have a critique of something or present something, but he wants to sort of like have his cake and eat it, doesn't he? He wants to have these rebellious characters and these corrupt characters, but you then need to have, you then need to give them a structure, which is so. You know, we're saying that the, the influence on others. You talked about a rebellion, like you know, he did take this and and develop it. He created the empire and the resistance, like you know, the, the rebellion. Mm. So like, he did. He literally took this and sort of like worked it out into a much bigger thing. Um, but you're right. I mean, you know, uh, Sen is a really fascinating character in the sense, like you say, he he's supposed to be part of the control mechanism. He works in this this uh, booth. He's got access to all these things. He seems to, I think, I assume, I think, I can't remember, he puts himself together with THX and they have, you know, they're in that room and they're talking. So there's the ability to corrupt the system, but it's not, yeah, but it seems to be, it seems to be relatively easy to do. Um, but the other thing as well, you see other characters uh, working in these, uh, these booths across different, you know, different like computer panels and, and monitors and that sort of thing. And they all seem very sort of, you know, controlled and they're doing what they're supposed to do and everyone's in everyone's just doing their bit and it but so is sen but then it's so it never really so sen becomes a criminal like he goes on the run you know run with the whole thing but you never sort of know his like is this always been the way is he part of this resistance is he part of this thing is it I, he knows luh like they've, they've clearly at one point it's mm. commented that they know each other but like yeah it's never really <laughs> fully padded out and explained and so it becomes really quite nebulous as to how this is because you never get to see the ruling elite as well and one of those sort of rules of showing one of these societies at least at least give a glimpse of the ruling elite like let you know how the state controls at the top but there is no top to this it's just bureaucracy and maybe that's the case you know i i kind of find that charming i mean i kind of mm. find that you know the nebulousness of this the decentralization of mm. this um, you know, because one of the things I always object, I mean, I object to the emperor, right? I mean, I yeah, object yeah, yeah. to, yeah. because, you know, you've got to have that guy because you've got to defeat him, right? So, you know, but the, but I find the, you know, we've talked about Doctor Who. I mean, when we've talked about those fascistic societies in Doctor Who, the scarier ones are the ones that don't have guys at the top for yes. the doctor to easily overthrow, right? Mm. And so, you know, this could be a society that doesn't have a single person in charge. Um, you know, um, I mean, even even thinking about like Alphaville, it's got the, you know, like AI in charge, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. It's scarier if you think there's nobody in charge, right? Well, it's you just don't evolve know. this way. You yeah. just follow it. Yeah. And I like, yeah, because again, if you do sort of, you know, because one, one of the things I thought about whilst, whilst watching this, you know, with it being underground and just the working and some like those shots. And I think they are, they must be CGI now, but like when you get um, THX is working, when he's actually doing the work, 
at his station and it just goes on and on and on. And there's sort of rows of there's this row of people just working on these robot constructions. And you're like, you're not worker ants. That's all you do. You know, you go, you do your job, you do your bit, and then you 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 know move on, do your day. And as you say, you're part of a system. You don't have to know what's at the top of the system, but you want to know, you know, you just want to see that you are part of part of a system. You've never seen the whole system. And so I agree, I like that that element of it is one of the things. But at least but if you're then going to have a rebellion against it, then you need to at least if you're going to rebel against it, if the film's going to show you the rebelling against it, you need to have at least sort of like the counter to show you need to show the mechanisms they're rebelling against. And it it's never entirely clear what it is they're rebelling against. Yeah, and it's not entirely clear to me that it's a rebellion either. Um, no. Like, I don't think it's an organized rebellion. I think Sen is just doing what he wants to do, right? Screwing mm-hmm. with the, you know, um, he's corrupt, but he doesn't seem to be, like, connected to anybody. Um, he just seems to be a guy who's corrupt. And I do like this sort of, like, potential homosexual angle of him mm-hmm. wanting to be assigned THX as, as a maid. Um Although these are explicitly non-sexual relationships. So, you know, that, I mean, that's interesting, maybe if safe. But, um, you know, there doesn't seem to be a formal rebellion. It seems no. as if all we know is that Sen does what he does and that uh, the THX's uh, mate has stopped taking the pills and wants to spread that. Um yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe this is the the, the, you know, the early days of rebellion. That's where the drugs. Luh, I mean, she's the first one that's yeah. saying like, you know, like you say, she switches out the drugs, like they end up having sex. It's all. It's almost like that, you know, this could have been the birth of the rebellion, yeah. but it doesn't go right. It doesn't go well enough that it becomes that resistance. So you say, you know, Luh is, is taken away. Sen corrupts it and and basically makes it a mess. So they get captured. Um. But then you don't know because again, like the end, you know, when you get to the end of the film, if you follow THX, he does really, you know, he ends up to get chased down and he goes on that big car chase at the end. He does make it to the surface. How do you know he doesn't come back and start to sort of like, you know, orchestrate a further resistance? Right. He gets to the surface and uh, Obi Wan Kenobi's up there yeah. and says, you know, yeah. hello I there. <laughs> <laughs> a very posh Bruce Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> Alec Guinness is waiting for him. Ah, oh, I've been expecting you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, I don't know, it, it, it does feel that you know that like I say there are ideas. Another idea that I, I kind of like, and it felt like, and again, Brazil was another one that came to mm. mind whilst I was watching this. That felt like a bit more uh, of, a, of a, an articulated idea. Is at the end of the film when THX is on the run. And you've got the car chase going on. You've got the two police sort of chasing him. One of the things is they 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 basically have a budget for his um, uh, retrieval. I forgot the number is, but they give like a budget, and they've got like a tolerance for how much of that they can spend. And when it goes over, they stop it. And I'm like, cool. That's actually a really interesting idea. This idea they've actually got like a metric that says actually financially, or like there's a metric that beyond this point, it's not worth. Mm. capturing him it costs too much money and again but that's introduced so late into the film mm. i was like oh man i'd love that to have been explored like you have an accident at the start of the film um there's an explosion um mm. uh, early on you see sort of like one of the um uh production lines explodes and you get this over the tunnel going like you know it's it's so it's in so-and-so sector this won't affect you carry on working but you see it on mm. these monitors 
I'd have liked it if there was a part of that where they're like, right, we can sh- we can shut this down now, but it'll cost this. This is it'll take us over this tolerance, and them going actually no, it's, it's it's more effective for us to let it explode and kill these people and rebuild, like making decisions based on those metrics, because then you'd see it later on. But again, it never seems these ideas just dropped in that never seem to to materialize. Yeah, I think you're right that I mean, there's a sort of collage of ideas here that don't really mm. fit together. I mean, I do like that idea of, you know, it's 5% over budget. Yeah. As soon as you you go to six, you've got to call in the, the cops. Um, I mean, I that's I, I buy it. Mm-hmm. But the second you're introduced to this idea, you know, that's how he's going to skate. Right. Yes. And it also and it also is so anticlimactic to just yeah. be like, right. We've run out of money, literally. So let's end the movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> it's it was, not very it, satisfying. It may, it may well have been a commentary on actual, the actual budget of the film. Uh, it could have. But, you know, you mentioned about this explosion. And, I mean, let's be clear. I mean, you talked about the worker drones. There's a lot that I like about this film, or at least find interesting. Um, however, I mean, these drones, these are people who are on calming drugs. In order mm-hmm. to help them perform these delicate techniques, and and what they are doing is they're manipulating robotic arms to build the robot cops uh, of this future society. Mm-hmm. The robot cops are atomic cops, mm-hmm. uh, and they've got you know a little piece of uh, you know plutonium or some sort of radioactive yeah, power thing. source or something, isn't it? Yeah, right. And and this all has to be done for some reason by human beings yeah. who have to do it in a line. You know, I don't know why. And you see one of these production lines explode, and and this is atomic radiation. Um, you know, that's I mean, there's no depiction of a cleanup, and like you said, you know, you said uh, you'd like to see them say like, oh, well, it, it would cost too much to clean this up. Just let these people die. There is this idea of like they're disposable because mm-hmm. when THX leaves work, they say, oh, like, congratulations. We've only lost 190 people yes. compared to like 260 at the arrival factory. So, you know, like clearly life is cheap to that type. Yay, that type. Yes. Um, I did like that comment. That's, that's a nice But at the same time, it's like, right, how does that work, right? You Mm. know, I mean, you have, first of all, you have atomic cops, you know, why why are they atomic? I mean, that means, like, when they're destroyed in those chase sequences, like, that's an atomic accident. There's 35,000 of them going around. Why do you need, why can't they build themselves? You know, why why do you? Two things. No, I agree, because there were two elements to that. If they're all on subdue, sub, you know, subduing drugs, so they're not like rampant criminals running around. There doesn't appear to be like a, you know, there's not like an an underworld that needs to be policed. So why do you need so many police officers? Um, and I say, why are they being powered by this radioactive material? <laughs> but the other question is, I think, I think this is, and we'll, I want us to get to this point about special editions. I don't think that was originally the intention. So I went back and I, I had a look at so what you because what you see in the special edition is a glowing rod, right? You mm. or a block. I can't remember now, but like you see them manipulating it, and then when THX has like a, a like a I don't know like a blackout, like a, a phase out at one point, like he drops 
uh, a piece of radioactive material and it burns through, like it melts its way through several things. So you know mm. this is incredibly dangerous. All that is added CGI. All that is added. In the original, it's just a metal, they show like a metal thing being dropped into another, into a metal slot because that's all they could afford. So like there's no, it's more of a construction um, process than a than this sort of like nuclear process. Mm. So in the original, so this thing about adding nu- nuclear power stuff is clearly coming later on. So when you do see those, so those in the original version, those police crashing, those droids crashing later on would be less of an issue. But um, yeah, I don't know. It, it feels sort of, again, this comes back to the structure of this society. Like I get that it's sort of thing, but like it's global. So you don't know that these, it might just be that these police are created here and then shipped across the world. Don't well, know. we don't know that it's global. No, we don't even. You know, we know they have thirty-five thousand, a little more cops, because you see that number tick down mm-hmm, as they're mm-hmm. destroyed. But you know, we don't know. I mean, this is it could be Mega City One underground. I mean, yeah. or it could be global. It could just be this is a city, sort of like Logan's Run size. You know, mm. underground. I I don't know. And that's the thing, again, like, you know, this is where I'm saying, we, you know, you're saying it's charming to, to to be dropped in and to not see, but you want at least enough information to infer something to be able to sort of fill in headcanon. We've said this before about, like, you know, this is what my headcanon tells me, but, like, you need at least something to imply some of that stuff, and there's not enough here to really do that, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's, you know, the same thing is true of, um, you know, whether the main character survives. He gets to the surface. Mm. He might be in a radioactive wasteland, or he might be completely <laughs> safe. You don't yeah. know. I mean, it's a beautiful symbol, him seeing the sunset or sunrise. Uh, but that's beautiful. But it just abruptly ends there. Um, there's so much that you don't know. No, I, I agree with that. Because one of the things I was curious about, actually, like I say, is that intent of... Um, what what is he escaping to? Because it becomes like you know he's escaping from, um, but it never seems clear like what he is escaping to, um, mm-hmm. and so um, it becomes curious as okay so he's he's now got this idea of getting to the well no, let me put it this way at what point does his motivation change? So for THX like he's on the run. And it's because of sort of like he's now experienced these things, but like him escaping to get to the surface, is that a goal? I never sort of get that like it becomes like a goal yeah. for him to get to the surface, or is it just to get away? And that getting to the surface becomes like a bit of an accident. I think it's a bit of an accident. My my yeah. interpretation is that he I mean it took me a while to kind of figure this out, but that he he's quite content with the society. He informs on his his uh mate. Mm-hmm. It's the mate who switches his, because he already seems like the protagonist, you know mm. he is. I mean, but he's actually quite content with the society. Mm. The mate switches the pills, then he, because he doesn't have these calming pills, he screws up at work, and because he drops that rod initially, those monitor people uh, do that like mind freeze thing on him that then. They're not thinking the people who make that decision are not like aware of the fact that, oh, yeah, this is going to cause a worse accident. Um, but, you know, the end result of this is he's basically, you know, a prisoner. Mm. Um, you know, uh, he, um, you know, he's informed on Sen and he's sent to prison and finds out, you know, OK, 
his mate has been killed, uh, yeah. recycled. Uh, but his baby soul, he seems like he wants to get back to her. He sees mm -hmm. her again. He, it seems like his motivation is then to like escape and get back to her. But then he sort of seems to realize like I'm in a chase for my life. I just want to get away. I think she's already dead anyway. And so that's how I sort of see it. That's how you see it, exactly. Right. But it's ne it's never explicitly said. Like again, there's no yeah. sort of like scene where he's like. <laughs> and again, this is what I'm saying. Like, you know, the motivation clearly changes because all like, at least events conspire to drive him in a different direction. But you're a bit like, oh, he's doing that now. Fair enough. I mean, it's a bit like um, Sen as a character is an interesting. Cause I, you know, I, I always like Donald Pleasance as a, as a, uh, a presence. I don't. I, I just find him strangely comforting. And maybe it's because all the times I had to watch The Great Escape as a kid. I don't know. But there's a scene when they escape from the prison, when they escape from that thing, and they've got him and, and um, uh, the, the the big guy. But set, there's like a crowd, like it's a massive crowd of people. Like it's, like, and this is that other thing of sort of like you know, this is the underground. It's like a, a, a an ant nest, isn't it? Like everyone's just busying around, and Sen gets caught in the middle of it and jostled and bustled, and then gets completely sort of lost from the group. And so he take he just basically sits, he basically sits down. And just converses with these two kids, and he's sort of, you know, talking with these two kids, and then just accepts being arrested, and he's just like, "Yeah, mm -hmm. all right, that's it, I'm done." And again, I'm like, "I love that." Yeah, I, I, I kind of like that he accepts it, but I'm a bit like, "Huh, is that like the end of that character?" Uh -huh. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I really like that, and you know, you at least see like uh, you see uh, a monk, and you see like these kids playing and they, and they have this sort of like a uh, game that they're playing that, mm -hmm. you know, one, that is weird. And one of the things that this movie does that's really well, does really well is it's depiction of like an alien society. And so, yes. you know, we've, we've talked about that when it comes to extraterrestrials, but here it's a future society. They don't speak English the same that we, we do. And also like their sense of humor, those hologram shows are marvelously alien, yes. right? Like yeah. the, the humor is just, I mean, it's so weird. And and I really love that. I mean, and that is part and parcel of just throwing you into this bizarre world. That stuff works great for me. Yes, I agree with that, yeah. No. I would say, I would say since, we're, you know, you're talking about Sen, you know, how he winds up, I would say that, you know, the ending, while... You know, I mean, this is a movie that I definitely I, I did not dislike, but mm -hmm. then and I've said some good things about it, I definitely had to fight falling asleep uh, during this film. You get to mm -hmm. the ending and it's like, all right, a chase, right? Finally, here's the money shots, right? Here's, you know, and you're seeing all of that. And at the same time, that ending is in retrospect, some of the most disappointing stuff. Um, yes. Not just because, you know, the of running out of budget, you know, is the reason why he gets away. But also, like, I mean, this is a car chase. I mean, it's the most I mean, even before the car chase running away from these cops, it does remind me of stormtroopers where it's like the stormtroopers can't shoot straight. They're the most incompetent <laughs> people ever. You've I'm got these you robot cops yeah, yeah. and the robot cops you see like beating people with nightsticks. That is like you said, it's not clear what that there's any crime, but you get lots of footage of robot cops love to beat people with nightsticks, right? Because mm -hmm. cops are fascists. And, okay, I get it. Um, but then 
they're so easily defeated. At one point, they're trapped in a, in a, in a control room. And they just open the door and cause the cops to fall inward and just jump over them and run away. Oh, yeah. That's it's how- Keystone Cops kind of stuff. Like, this is that thing of, like, pushing a turtle on its back and it's just waving around and sort of, like, not able to get away. Yeah, there's, there's a number of scenes like that that I'm just like, what is the point of them? Like, I don't understand, like you say, they're not, they're, they're depicted as a threat, but then shown not to be a threat. Um yeah, you get the idea that, like, I'm like, man, I could run forever. Like, I am not scared of these guys yeah. at all by the Like, at first, they seem scary at first because you see the brutalizing. But by the end, I just think, man, I would be running this society in a week. Yeah. Well, the, 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 let's talk about the police because, again, the, the, the design is very obvious. You know, they've designed this thing. They're wearing the sort of the black leather of, you know, um, to, to almost they look like um, motorcycle cops, and they've gone for that sort of look. Mm. Uh, and then they've got the silver sort of chrome faces and stuff like that. And, and obviously, it's there to be sort of they look faceless, and, and they're all the same, and, and blah blah blah. It's all very, Storm you troopers. know, yeah, exactly. It's all the same stuff. It's all very sort of you know we've seen this a hundred times. But one of the things is they are not you know with stormtroopers. And again, he sort of perfects maybe perfects this slightly. Is stormtroopers although useless seem to be um, coordinated and, and in another way that they are sort of like they are designed to be soldiers. There are several scenes in this where I'm really confused about the sort of the point of the police. Like they go into a locker room at one point and you see one of the droid robots getting dressed. And I'm just like, hang on, why is he putting gloves on? Like, should that not be part of his, you know, <laughs> like his make? Is that not part of right. him? Like, why is he sat there putting his boots and his, his gloves on? Does he go home at night? And sit in like slippers. Like I don't understand this. Does he ever made two? Yeah, exactly. Like I don't, I don't get the sort. Of, but then there's another one when they're they're, they're going through. Um, I think it's like a server farm, kind of looking thing. Lots of computers, and lots of things going on. And the, the two police robots like lose them, and one of them sort of seems to commiserate with the other one. They sort of like mm-hmm. he's like, oh well. Maybe next time, kind of thing. And you're like, sorry, they've got emotions. Are these droids or are they? I don't know what these robots are. Like, I'm a bit confused to their programming now. Well, let's, I mean, keep in mind, right? You know, there's a thin line between the stormtroopers and Star Wars and the droids, right? Droids are a big part of it. And, you know, obviously in the prequels, they're they're clones, you know. Mm but they're so, still people. But they're still they're still an entity. They're still a person. Like you know, and they have personality. Like you know, you watch. Are the, they though? Well, they're supposed to be. You watch like the bad, but you watch Rebels and these are additional supplementary materials. That's like, later. Yes, true. Right. I mean, true. You know, yeah, I know what you, I know what you're saying. I mean, like technically they're organic, but they're made to be disposable. I mean, yes. to the point that if you had told a kid in 1980, you know, like. Uh, you know, ask the kid, you know, are, are those people or robots? I'm not sure a kid in 1980, 1981 would know. Would no, that's know. true. I don't know. No, that's a good point. Because, you know, yeah, you never see them without their helmet in the first sort of, um, the, the original trilogy. I don't know. I just, the, the cops just stood there, but the robot cops are very bizarre. Mm. Uh, I, I don't know the point of them. Like, are you trying to show them as fascists or are you trying to show them as people? Like, it's very sort of like me- the messages again and the ideas, and it's a very, like you say, it's a collage of ideas that doesn't always hang together. Um, and if there's so many of them, I mean, even the, even the holograms as well, like, you know, that, that uh, sequence. And again, I really like that sequence. Again, this is that alien thing of like the lifestyle, the habitat as well. Like, it's very sort of, um, it would become 
you know, this is the, the thing I would say is it, it it becomes a cliche. Like a lot of the stuff that's in this becomes a cliche, but it's it's still this is 1971, so it's still got some really you know quite unique ideas, I suppose. What, but what becomes a cliche? Well, just that sort of um, that, that clinical environment, that sort of as a, as a as a habitat, you know, like everything, all the walls okay. are white. There's just that thing with the drugs in the wall, and then they've got the chairs, are yeah. very sparse. Would become almost like you know you'll see that come up again and again in these kind of films. I think of like Equilibrium is another one with the Christian Bale film, which is like you know that's got more fun. That's got Gun Carter in it, and you know some stupidity. <laughs> but um, what I would say is I, I like is this thing. It's like they, they still, although they've got this suppression of emotions, and you said they're not sort of sexual beings in the sense of like you know mating with their mate. Um, he goes home and they got the hologram and like he but he does watch there is sort of like you know almost like pornography on this hologram and he watches that woman they have a machine that sort of like you know jacks you off yeah basically for all intended purposes now that's, yeah, a no, CGI. that's what that's, it's literally doing yeah yeah but that's not in the original that's a that's an, a cgi yeah. some some poor side like george lucas was like i want to have this machine do this no and he's like you get you that's got a, something was there in the original right nope, and they nope, didn't add a it. masturbation scene nope they did no the, the, the no. scenes there but it's it's suggested in the original that it's duval doing it to himself oh by hand yeah, yes. Okay. And so they introduce it, you know, in the special editions, the machine is added to add another sort of like sterile it's, element to it. It's um, like it's it, it kind of reminds me of like uh, the Dalek uh, plunger, <laughs> you know, maybe like, that's what now that I know what the Dalek plunger was for. That's what they were originally made for. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, but there's something that as I was going through this and again, I wasn't 100 percent sure and I had to go back and then I read it. But when you go through like, the woman that's dancing and then, you know, and she, and they obviously tidied up, and as you say, it sort of then it goes to the police brutality with one of those cops like beating a guy, and then there's like a guy trying to sell a car, and then there's a like a talk show, and then you get the sort of the guy dancing, and it goes through those yeah. channels. So they're all you know, but they're all black. Yeah. Everybody yeah. that's on the television is, is 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 a black person. So you get the, the black woman dancing, and then they're all like, and it wasn't until I read it, and they were like, oh yeah, you don't. The only the person you see is is SRT is the they meet mm-hmm. in the prison. And he claims to be, he says, oh, I'm a hologram. But what he, I think what he means is he's he works yes, in the entertainment right. industry. Like, he works, exactly. he's part of that, that hologram uh, industry or whatever. And so there's this weird segregation because everybody, every, all these other characters are white. Like, when you see the scene mm. with Sen being bustled around, mm-hmm. at least he hasn't, you know, sort of, uh, Lucas has tried to stay to this point. Like, all those people you see are white. But there's mm-hmm. still black people in this community, in this in this existence, in this world, because you've seen them on the television. So I find that fascinating as well. That like there's an acknowledgement of that, um, but I don't know what it means. <laughs> I don't know what that means either, right? It's, no. it's strange, right? It's like there's mm. racial segregation, but like in a way, you know, uh, the black citizens have a greater prestige, or do they? Are they? Are, are they? Is it part of like, entertainer slaves? Do they have high status or low status? I don't know. Exactly. So again, it's that thing of like you know you have to be sort of thrown into it. But again, but then you are introduced to a character in SRT that should be giving you this information that should be saying, right. like, "Well, I had all this. I had everything, and it was taken away from me." Or you know, like I escaped. Or you, from... you don't know what it's like being a hologram. It's really brutal. Exactly. Yeah. Like you know, do they have like the Running Man kind of shows where like oh they chase us down and the police beat us <laughs> and that's part of entertainment? Like is this like you know? Is this verging on like RoboCop level satire kind of thing? I don't know. And again, well, so it comes to this idea, but you don't get a full articulation of what he's trying to say with it. 
Yeah, no, I, I think you're exactly right. And and it's far more important that SRT is there to show them how to get out of the prison. Mm-hmm. That's why he's there, right? That's why mm-hmm. he's introduced. The fact that he, he is an entertainer, you know, and, and is a hologram and is a black character all of a sudden is not important. <laughs> no, but it should be. Like, right, of, of course, yeah. Because it, it, it's, it's fascinating. Almost, it is fascinating, yeah. But like, and again, if I if I am, you know, if if, if you were Sen or THX, like, and you meet, you then meet this black character, and the only way that you've seen those, you know, these kind of people is through this hologram thing. Like, surely there'd be an element of like, um, I don't know, like, I don't know, not starstruck or something, but you'd be reacting to it, wouldn't you? Be like, oh my god, like, right. you know, you're real. Like, I always, I don't know how this works. Like, you'd have questions at least. Um, I don't know. It yeah. just feels very sort of or like they just go eh, and carry on. Or they'd recognize him and say, oh, you know, like you're black. That means that you're a hologram. You know, um, and you know, the other thing that's interesting is it's a sort of like, like I mean. So let's let's talk about sex a little. Mm. Um, you know, the <laughs> let's talk about sex, baby. <laughs> um, the so they take these pills where they suppress their sexual desire, and you mm-hmm. and you clearly have audio that says like libidinous crimes, right? That like yes. libido is a crime. Um, but they still have sexual desire because they have these masturbation holograms. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that the masturbation holograms are of black people, mm-hmm. which you would think is that glamorizing the the black body, which has been linked to, you know, racism in the past, this strange way that, you know, we can glorify and also objectify, you know, and uh, degrade at the same time. Um, so that's very interesting. But they still have they must still have libido if they have that if they react and do it yeah, yeah and then you have just like you have the uh, it's possible to assign a male male mate um it's also possible he also puts on um a, a male dancer mm-hmm. and nobody reacts to it um which you know seems very progressive in, in mm. 71 to have those messages um so i'm not sure exactly how sex works in this world i mean it's clear that Reproduction isn't sexual anymore, but somehow but people still clo- need is, a mate. Yeah. I, well, again, yeah. like you say, is it, is it cloning? Are they, you know, is mm. that is that you know, is there another factory somewhere else that's doing the cloning work to create these citizens? Don't know. But again, this this idea of having a mate, again, yeah, yeah, it's never, you know, you don't see people in a single habitat. Or that have lost a mate? Is it to do with companionship? Mm. Is it to do with um, observation yeah, control? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, a bit like we talk, you talk about Doctor Who. I mean, one of the things that that episode, the, the Peter Davison um, one, where you have that couple that are observing everything and stuff, and like you know that, and but I have slightly different opinions. That's exactly what that is. It's like they're they're, they're, they're together. It's never fully explained if they're together as husband and wife but one of them reports the other one and they threaten to do mm. it on a number of occasions throughout <laughs> the episodes and so you are like they're there for observation to sort of like almost you know mm. um buddied up to sort of you know well we, have, we can't keep an eye on everybody so you're gonna have you keep an eye on each on, on each other sort of thing i don't know 
you know, it seems that this is better articulated in the Doctor Who episode than it is <laughs> in this film. Um, but it's a good idea. You know, I like this idea. And again, uh, this idea that it can be manipulated, but it, it for whatever purpose. Um, but I don't know the point of it within the society. Like, you know, how does it work as a process? Yeah, and, and there is a line when we find out about um, the the woman's fate. Mm. I think there is a line about how, I mean, somewhere around there, the, there's a line that she's, like, been taking to the, like, reproduction plant or something or the... the that seems to suggest that it's some sort of like battles, Battlestar Galactica like farm where they mm. like farm babies, you know, in some horrible, you know, uh, horrible Almost way. Like Gillian, then she's gonna be, she could become like a you know like a birth mother kind of thing, like you know. Yeah, I mean, except one imagines that you know the it's not the turkey baster method, you know, of mm. uh, impregnation, but who knows. Uh, I mean, but again, like you said, we don't know. I mean, there's basic, basic things that we don't know. You know, the same thing you mentioned earlier, but it's worth returning to is the religious aspect. Mm. How did this evolve? It's clearly like a image of, of Jesus somehow. Um, but clearly this religion has evolved. It's not the Christianity that we know. Do people find solace in these rote responses? I mean, you know, there's a monk. Clearly, he has some sort of proof. He's one of the few people we see who's not just dressed in the same uniform. Mm. Obviously, there's a special social cast of monks. Um, what is his role? How, yeah. does, how is this? Is the whole mate thing like a religious injunction? I, I, mean, I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah right. You're right, because he seems to have... Like where he's at, like they have like cameras and stuff on things. It's still it's clearly broadcast as well. Mm. Um, but like you know, we don't know what they broadcast and sort of like say so you don't know what power they have or influence or or standing they have in the society. Um, one of the things I was thinking about because the, the, the other thing this sort of brought to mind for me was a short story that I did uh, on sister podcast Twentieth Century Geek for Story Time at the start of the year. It was one of the first ones I did actually. It was called The Machine Stops by E. M. Forrester. Yeah, uh, I talked about it with Tony Farina, and it, again in that story, um, it's a very, it's, an, it's an underground society. It's told from the perspective of these two people, a mother and a son, um, and you learn a lot going on. Like you know, there's this whole thing of like once you give birth, you hand the child into a sort of a raising program that then goes off, but you can still connect to the child if you want. But you live within this sort of honeycomb uh, thing that sort of controls everything and you have everything you need from the within your and the machine is what provides it for you and the machine is sort of like the 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 god entity if you will in this story and then you know they but they they're repulsed by the outside world um they say you know the the above world is supposed to be this to you know this cataclysmic event but they've never looked at it because they're repulsed by it and eventually sort of like the sun becomes a character that escapes into the the in, in, climbing up a funnel much like um THX and escapes onto the surface world and actually finds that there's people there and there's things going on and, and this other stuff. And the machine collapses underground. And so it becomes this sort of rebellion. That was 1903. But there are so many elements in this program. I'm like, again, I'm like, in that short story, like they don't articulate everything. You don't know everything <laughs> about why it happens. But there's more information in that sort of like, I think it's like a, a you know, eight to 10 page short story than there is in this film. Where I'm just like, 
and it, you know it makes me it made me think about other um films like this that i know exist i meant i mentioned equilibrium but like um there are other films where you're thrown into a distant future or whatever like, even like you know you, you say about like um you said mega city one like so even like the you know judge dread and the stories like that mm-hmm. so it had like 45 years to grow a story but you get to know the system like you, you are at least presented with a sort of a system of control and a system of sort of thingy and equilibrium is like you know you again is about um a similar thing where you sort of, you know they have all their emotions suppressed and so and they destroy it again like, what's the fahrenheit you know um um, what's it? Yeah, 451. So it's exactly the same thing where it's like, okay, well, this is how the future society works by destroying art and culture and, and everything that, you know, aspires to be emotional, that sort of thing, much like an equilibrium. And so you have these characters that then sort of reframe their um, view on the world and become a part of the rebellion or whatever, like, you know, whatever's going to happen, like, you know, an equilibrium, Christian Bale becomes a leader of the rebellion and all that other shit. I mean, it's a good yeah. fun, it's a fun film, but it's very silly. Um, but you get to see this framework of what it is. What, and, but you also get to see, in, in, it's at least indicated as to why they get there. You know, mm-hmm. the reason we now yeah, you have a sense emotions. for the society, right? Yeah. And, and you're saying there's a sense for how it evolved. Yeah, or well, there's at least a purpose. So they'll say sort of like, you know, there's this indi- indication of, we got here because of, you know, so mm. whether it be sort of like, oh, through a fascist society, we've just grown this thing of that's the enemy because that's our control mechanism. And so, mm. you know, those things, that's why this sort of structure now exists, because that's the the other thing that we sort of, you know, we see as the enemy. And that's what we sort of we we group behind, if you will, you know, the burning of books or, you know, as a firefighter, mm-hmm. as a fireman or an equilibrium. It's like, well, emotion led to conflict and conflict led to war. So. We removed emotion to make a sort of stable society. You know, that's the idea. So we're removing things that that, that stimulate emotion. That's the point. And you go, mm-hmm. okay, it's not a great idea. It just it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But fair enough, you're giving me something to work with. But with again with with THX, I'm still like, I don't get why this has happened. Like you know, like you said, I want at least yeah. something that says, you know, oh, this is actually a good thing. Again, you know, going back to what we said about these these rebellion things. Again, what Westworld season three, you know, the AI with Alpha mm-hmm. Villain, same with, with with them. You are provided with a context of like this 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 uh, AI now makes all the decisions for society, and but you get this rebellion. But we were saying, well, show us the good though, because there's clearly a good mm. to this. Mm-hmm. What is the reason that this is in place, and who is this benefiting, or what has it worked? Has this solved the problem that they thought was there to solve? And so you get that sort of like that angle to take from. But with this, I don't feel that I know what caused it. I don't know why it's there. What was the problem they solved? Why was libido become a, you know, was there was there sort of was you know a sexually transmitted disease? What was killing the population? And so the only way to stop it was to stop sexual reproduction. So they've sort of but so they do they suppressed you know libido to do that and da da da. I don't know. Or or was that seen as emotional? um you exactly, know yeah i mean yeah was that um it could be religious too because there's mm. that element um yeah i mean it seems as if there's some it's some sort of post-apocalyptic sort of scenario in which they at least think the surface world is contaminated but you know i mean also like what is the society what does the society do besides make androids atomic androids mm. 
But, I mean, what does anyone do? Monitor each other and make atomic androids seems to be all that happens. Well, one of the things that was, well, this is, and this is one of those things I find, you know, um, I do find frustrating in, in these kinds of films because you've seen Robert Duval's job. He makes, he makes robots. Yeah. But they live in a habitat. They have chairs. There is a TV show. Um, you know, they have food. They have drugs. They have clothing. They have cars. Mm -hmm. um, there are roads for those things. There are, at one point, you see he goes through a tunnel and there's a scaffolding system and people are repairing the tunnel. Yeah, there's so there are workers, right? Workers, yeah. So there are yeah. other jobs going on. Right. So, and we know that Sen works in one of these other, um, the, these booths, this sort of control panel. So, okay, cool. So there are other things going on. But you're making this big deal about this person making the cops. So is that you know again? So you're you trying to say something that we build our own control mechanism that we you mm. know, we end up building the thing that controls us. Mm. I, I don't I don't know. <laughs> like, give me a clue. I can read into that and say that's how that's the you know if I was to write an essay you can you can do all that. Right. Yeah, you're but right. It's, I don't think it's what is actually there. Yeah, I mean it is there. It's just not. You don't come away from the film saying, oh, that's what was intended there. You know, yeah. instead, you just feel like, well, I have a very sketchy idea of how the society functions. Mm. Um, yeah, to to the point about those construction workers. I found that whole, you know, I've already mentioned that I find the ending both, you know, gives a jolt of adrenaline and also is so unsatisfying. I mean, I like that that Sen just gives up. I think that's probably the mm. most satisfying for me, mm. although that seems anticlimactic. I found that remarkable. Um, then the then you have these um, cars that are like these sports cars. Yeah. They go like over 200 miles an hour. They seem to function in a completely illogical way. Um you know, the, the black guy takes one and crashes it immediately. Can I, so, can I just point out there's something, because that was a Ford GT that he gets into. Is it? Uh, is it? Yeah. But I like, I, I didn't know if this was meant to be a joke, because he's tall. Like, the guy's clearly like six foot plus. Like, he's a really mm -hmm. tall guy. And they give him one of the most compact cars to get into. And I was like, is this supposed to be a joke? Because it's clearly uncomfortable for him to be getting into. But I was like, mm. it's cool. It's a, it's a great looking mm -hmm. car. And it's quite an interesting thing that he chose it, but I was like, I'm not sure if this is supposed to be a joke. I don't and know. And why do they have a four GT? I mean, it, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I, I don't understand what's going on with these cars, except Lucas wants to have a car chase. I mean, mm. with you know, two cops, these cops on motorcycles because they they're weather wearing the motorcycle leather, mm -hmm, you know, and mm -hmm. they have the stormtrooper boots, you know, um, chasing after you know a speed racer car. Um, <laughs> Can, can we just say, like, in addition, if if we ran out of budget, so just call the cops back. Well, I mean, which, again, could be interesting if done mm. right. I mean, we have these discussions about, like, high-speed chases on the highways mm. in real life. You know, I mean, this is an interesting idea if, if really explored, but it's not really explored. You know, instantly it's going to be the way that the good guy gets away, um, the protagonist anyway. But then also, I mean... The car overheating and yes. stopping and then cooling down enough that it'll start again. 
has to be one of the least satisfying dramatic uh monkey wrench consequences you know nha sequence ever concocted there were two things to this. I 100% agree. This first thing, because they're trying to ratchet up the tension that he's about to get caught. So they're trying to introduce like almost like a ticking clock thing of it sort of cooling down. I'm like, cool, all right, interesting. But then you've also seen roads of vehicles going at high speeds. And this one, when he's on the tunnel on his own, it just stops. So what happens mm-hmm. if then a vehicle stops on one of those high speed like flyovers? Does it happen a lot? That seems incredibly <laughs> dangerous and inefficient. Like, because then cars just pile into the back of it, all doing two hundred miles an hour. Like, um, yeah, it's such a bizarre choice. I'm like, you know, we, I mean, our cars today, like, you know, we have obviously currently, you know, fuel, petrol fuel cars or even like, you know, new electric or hybrid cars. You can overheat a car. You have a radiator. That's what it's there for. And with electric cars, there's other other ways of doing things. But at no point do they just sort of, unless it's really damaged, does the car just go, I'm overheating, so I'm going to stop. Like, you know, it's sort mm-hmm. of, you 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 know it's coming, and so you'd pull over and stuff. But I don't know, it just feels so sort of like bizarre that this car just goes, I'm hot now, and stops. And Yeah, well, and you see that little gauge. Yes. That the gauge doesn't seem to move at all until <laughs> it's time for it to overheat. And then it just shoots right into the red across the entire bar. And then yeah, when it goes and, green, it goes right back down again. It doesn't just sort of gradually, yeah. it goes like green, and it's sort of like, yeah. It's 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 a very bizarre, dramatic choice. It, 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 that does seem like one of those sort of Star Wars things where you think, especially later Star Wars, where you go, yeah, you haven't thought about how this worked. This was just a dramatic choice for you. Um, yeah. And it's sad that that is one of the least successful parts of this film. And that, that unfortunately, is one that most reminds me of, like, the Pache scene. Yeah. I mean, what, what's interesting is, like, you know, he then goes, because at the end, of the, the end of the race, at the end of the chase even, sorry, is him going through that scaffolding and then, and then you know, it all sort of crashes. If it would have been more satisfying if, like, he had stopped of his own accord and had to make a decision, like, look, I, I, the only way I can get away is to crash through that scaffolding, but I know I'm going to hurt these people. Mm-hmm. Do I stop now and give up, or do I do that? And he chooses to sort of, like, to plough through the scaffolding, hence, you know, potentially hurting people to get away. Like, m- let make him make that choice. I don't, yeah, it feels so arbitrary. <laughs> the whole ending seems very arbitrary. That it's just like okay, we need a stunt, we need this, we need that, and then they'll do it. Although I would say, right, if you watch that scene of, of everything else, I double-checked this because of all the CGI, the two motorcycles crash. Yeah. And those are those are practical stunts of those guys getting hurled around that road. So. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's like, I was quite impressed with that. I'm like, you know, kudos to those two motorcycle stuntmen for that. <laughs> but other than that, I'm like, yeah, it's... Um, yeah, it's I didn't think it looked great though. I mean, no, it looks it looks yeah. lumpy though. They hit like they hit that tarmac hard, and so I was like, okay, you did that for this film, fair mm. enough. But like, it still looks, you know, it looks hard hitting, which I was quite impressed with. Yeah, but I mean, you know, I I mean, again, like they, that deactivates those those robots. I mean, yes. you know, I I don't know the whole chase thing. Like, I don't understand why. The first car crashes. I don't understand. They, all the cars, when they're started, seems to 
rev up to 200 miles an hour instantly and squeal their tires. And in fact, after he overheats and he starts up again, he does a 360. He loses and this, control of the car. Yeah. Why? Why? You know, I mean, is there no? What is the gas pedal that he's pushing all the way down, and 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 causing this absurd amount of smoke and just spinning out, spinning out, spinning out? I don't understand what why it's doing this. Except Lucas thought it looked cool. I think that was a mistake. I honestly watched that 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 section when that car starts and it spins out and then drives off. I thought that was a mistake. I think that driver lost control of that car a little and regained control doing what he did. And I think exactly that. I think Lucas went, no, 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 that looks ace. That's awesome. <laughs> Faster and more Keep... intense. That's the one. That was the one. And I think that's mm. I think that's exactly what happened. That's how it, it looks to me. Where I think that guy's like, no, no, I want to start again. And he's like, no, 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 no. he looked brilliant. He looked brilliant. And you go, but it makes no sense. <laughs> no, it makes no sense. I will say, I mean, I'm, very, I don't find like why are those guys working in the middle of the tunnel? I mean, yeah, what's the purpose of the tunnel? Because it doesn't seem to just doesn't seem to go anywhere. Where's it going? Right, exactly. What's the purpose of this clearly well maintained tunnel? Why are guys working in the middle of it for no discernible reason? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't understand any of this. Uh, who is maintaining this tunnel? I mean, nobody's using it. No. Why you know this is an empty tunnel? We've seen roads and stuff, but this is an empty tunnel. You can just stop and overheat. Nobody's going to come behind you yeah. except the motorcycle. But yet it's got sensor. I mean, they know exactly how many feet away or whatever yeah, distance yep. it is. You know that. So clearly, there's monitoring equipment there. I don't know. You know, none of this really makes any sense. It's like the most illogical sort of like random car chase. Um, it, yeah, it and, also, and, I think because of the because of the crashes and everything as well, it's, it feels so incongruous with the rest of what's happened in the film. <laughs> where you you are you, you said like an, an adrenaline burst. It is almost like right. Well, we've had this sort of like surrealist chase around a white zone. We've had Sen sort of like you know battered around in this sort of like crazed sort of scene of hundreds of people and then just give up. Now I need to introduce some action. And you go. That's mm. not the film that you've made. Like that's not this film. Like there's been no no other action. There's been nothing else. Like why do you need this? At yeah, the end? you shot 15 minutes of this movie. Is them up against a white void? <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, that you are not the car chase movie. No, like you know, like this. It's such a bizarre choice. Where I'm like, there's an ending to this film that's you know, the, the car chase is so unneeded. Um, but like you say, also it does add a little bit of adrenaline when you're like, oh, cool, something interesting happened. But like, yeah, it feels so separate to the rest of the film. It's bizarre. I will say this about that that shot though, where he's uh, losing control, as you say, um, and he, he's starting up after having uh, overheated. The way that shot is framed, the car is all the way on the right edge of the screen, and it is it is a brilliant framing for that shot mm. i mean i i was so taken by it and i thought i can't imagine anyone shooting this this way and i certainly can't imagine lucas who oh. always you know i mean the star wars films even though he didn't direct most of them i mean but they always go for the most obvious framing you know and i thought that was such an aggressive choice um 
And I was quite taken with that shot, even though mm. I hate what's happening in it. I don't think what's happening in it <laughs> makes any sense. I don't understand how these cards work. You know, I mean, it's this, and at that point, of course, like, we've already seen the Keystone Cops routine. Mm-hmm. Like, these, these stormtroopers, these drone cops, you know, like, are not any, like, you could just get out of the car and wait for them to show up and knock them over, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, you're not scared of them at all. Um, you know, there doesn't seem to be any sense of threat no. at that point. But the thing is, well, because there's two things I want to talk about before we sort of wrap, uh, before we get to the end. But the other thing to note is, you say about the sense of threat, and because this, this is a chase movie for all intent and purpose, but there's, there's a large portion hmm. that this is a chase movie. Cool. Then it needs to feel like a threat. Like, you know, you need to be feeling like the Terminator or. You know that the police are a sort of a threat or something like you know like you know or Mad Max where like if they get hold of you it's to the end sort of thing. But then the other thing is it needs to feel tri- either triumphant or disappointing when he gets to the end. Do you know what I mean? Like that ending mm-hmm. needs to feel like if you had the chase and he has succeeded or he has gotten away or whatever. Like you need to have something. I'm happy with you know introducing an element of ambiguity like what happens next. Like you know leave it open ended. I'm fine with that. But if he gets to the surface and we just get this sort of like sunset or sunrise uh, shot, and again, I like the shot; it's great. But tell me something about what he has found. Is it has he got to the surface? And it's sort of like, are we talking Planet of the Apes, where it's like, you know, mm-hmm. damn you, it, this was all for nothing kind of thing, or does he get to the surface, go over a ridge, and just find this beautiful? you know, vista of trees and lakes and a natural sort of like, you know, what, what does he find? I don't know. What's the yeah. point of the ending? Um, is it, well, you're right. I mean, what you're saying is there should be an emotional cue there. Uh, you know, yeah. we don't need em- answers, but we no. shouldn't at least know, like, should we feel good about yeah. that he's triumphed or, you know. Because you say about the, the, you say about like, you know, this film, it's, um, struggling to stay awake and i was exactly the same actually i was watching this film and i I tried not to pick up my phone repeatedly (laughs) but one of the things i would say that this film and again i don't need this all the time but one of the things that this film fails at is engaging me on an emotional level Mm -hmm. but there are things that are interesting like that whole thing in the white void i actually kind of like i really in fact i really like i think it's interesting i think it's bold i think it's a fascinating choice i love this idea of being trapped in this void as a prison where you're just like Mm -hmm. i don't know which way is which i don't know which way we've walked it's like it's it's kind of like the phantom zone or something exactly yeah just trapped in this void this endless void you see people that are just like given up in this place i'm like this is such a good idea in fact if anything i'd expand on it to have people that are like broken by it like these people that i don't i can't take it anymore i think it's a really good idea i think there are other scenes i'm like i love that the vision of them all just um autonomously building more robots like you know human Mm. robots building robots like i love these ideas i think there's some really cool shots and so again you know although this this is a, a patchwork of ideas that are not all fully realized or even fully sort of like rendered there's some really cool stuff in there i'm like oh i like that oh i like that oh i like that Mm-hmm. But then overall, I'm going like, it's not, I don't feel the plight of THX or Sen mm-hmm. or, you know, LUD or, or SRT. Like none of these characters, like when SRT dies in that car crash, I don't feel anything. I'm not like, oh, so, he was almost away. Like it, it doesn't feel like it was, a, <laughs> you know, a, so close and it was, a, you know, this was a terrible thing. I'm like, 
it's not looking to engage me on an emotional level. I'm, okay, then it needs to engage me on an intellectual level. Like it needs to challenge me with these ideas. Mm. Mm-hmm. But it's mm-hmm. not. It's not. It's not rendered enough to do that. So it's it's almost like there. It's almost constantly trying to hit me at things, but it's just it's just not doing enough. And maybe this is um, this is me. I don't know. Maybe it's me. I'm missing. So, but like, so when it gets to the end and he gets on, and it has this almost like it's trying to be triumphant. Like that's the mm. sun, the silhouette. It's supposed to, you know, hell. If he was to stand up on a rock and put his hands on his hips, like the, you know, you are one. You're one sort of section from sort of Luke Skywalker looking at the twin suns. Like it's yeah, that's right. It's, it's totally there to be a heroic shot, but it means nothing. It doesn't have any impact on me. And so that's where the disappointment comes. I'm like, there's so much potentiality here. Again, I think of like Gattaca. Gattaca was a cold film. We talked about this in the last mm. season. Like Gattaca was a cold film in many respects. But I still had like an emotional impact when, like, the, at the end of that film, when Jude Law climbs into that furnace and stuff. Like, mm. I still mm-hmm. feel something because I've spent time with that character. I get his frustration. I get his purpose and this other stuff. Like, I, the end of that film means something to me. Where it has silly moments, and we talked about how that culture and that society doesn't always kind of fit together or kind of work. But that film made me feel something and made me care about those characters. And so I don't know. It just feels um, that this film lacks in almost every respect just like it's almost like a night you know it's like it's like everything's all and almost just a miss just a miss i don't know am mm. i am i wrong am i right I don't no know. i think i think what you said when you started was was quite brilliant about how it doesn't engage you emotionally but it but that's okay but it also doesn't engage you uh intellectually that mm. it's not fully painted enough fully conceived enough I think Gattaca is an interesting example because Gattaca does engage both emotionally and and intellectually. It might be superficial in both. Mm. Um, you know, it, it's not a fully emotionally engaging film, and it's also not a fully rendered intellectual exercise. But mm-hmm. it knows what it's about intellectually, or wants to be about, and it knows which characters you're supposed to root for. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie doesn't. Mm. Um, and and I'm cool with that to a certain degree, um, but I, I I think I mean I think I'd be cool with this if even if the if the characters were the same you know we don't know we're not really don't know who to root for et cetera et cetera I'm fine with that I'm okay with. Uh, there's no overarching intellectual message like this is about control. This is about you know. I, I don't need that shit, mm. you know. But mm. if the details of this future world were so immersive that instead of feeling like they're random little elements that that are thrown in, that I know I have the confidence that the filmmaker has a fully fleshed out detailed world that I am just being really immersed in where then I would find myself looking for clues, looking Mm -hmm. for every little detail. And there are times where this movie, I mean, I think this is the thing the movie does the best. Um, There are times where this movie gets to that, where Mm -hmm. you think, oh, okay, I figured out, right, how this works, or I know what what that saying means now, right? Mm -hmm. Where you're like, oh, okay, you, you have that. But you never feel as if 
that's part of a puzzle piece of a fully rendered painting of uh, of a world. Yes. And and if it were, I could have that intellectual pleasure of just saying like, you know, great, I'm dropped into an alien civilization. Mm. You know, this is like an experimental. Maybe I don't care about the characters. I don't know who to root for because it's an alien civilization. It's not going to have one-to-one equivalents. It's it's an emotionally repressed civilization. It's not going to be like, rah, rah, here's your Luke Skywalker hero. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm fine with all of that. But it's just that way that I think it is most successful. It doesn't. It's it doesn't feel as if it it really is a fully formed society that you're getting these little glimpses of. It yeah. looks. It feels like it's just a piece here and there. Yeah, exactly. I think you know you hear of like um, directors, you know, in in all sort of in all sort of genres and stuff. Like you know, I can imagine like you know Denis Villeneuve having something like this, or Ridley Scott, or one of those, or even like uh, Guillermo del Toro. Being like, yeah, you've seen this, but I've got this folder mm-hmm. <laughs> stacked with a, like a Bible. Like, this is how this world works. And there's like entire stories I've got in this Bible and this sort of like, you know, this sort of like this world controlled thing that you're never going to see. But there's a glimpse of it in this world. Like, there's a reason that. So because of this thing that I've written about in this, you know, this this massive tome or I have in this thing. That's mm-hmm. the reason that all these signs are in red, and they ha- or they use this phrase. Or I know how pre-production works in this, and so that's why you hear this phrase repeatedly. Like, you know, you could easily mm-hmm. pick up. A, you know, they could easily just publish this and be like, "Here's the rest of it." Almost like the Silmarillion kind of thing. Of like, here's the full history of the, you know, Middle Earth or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I know why these characters, you know, with Tolkien, and I know why these characters do these things because I've got four thousand years of history <laughs> that tell me why they do these things. You don't really need to worry about it, but I know why. But with Lucas, it seems very much like he sort of sat there smoking some weed and was just like, oh, this is what I want to do. I want to do this. I want to do that. And it, it comes together. It's one of those where you go like, just like, you know, it, it's like this, just a gnat's wing away from being really interesting. Um, yeah, there's a version nice. of this, right? Mm. It's like there's a version of this. By the way, before we stop, you know, you mentioned Planet of the Apes. What is with those like monkeys? <laughs> yeah, where, where did they come from? What? 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 In the car, they, even... they were added later on. That's a CGI, and this is something I want to sort of touch on before we go. Is again, I don't know, like you know, I don't know where where he was when he was making the CGI version. He was like, ah, oh, monkeys. Don't know. Let's just add some monkeys, like well, jumping around and attacking people. The only thing I could take from it was right, and I'm going to add this in because this is the only thing that I thought of, and I compared it to the ending. Is the ending shot is him getting onto the surface world, right? And I don't know how far underground they are or whatever. Is this an indication that there is other animal life alive mm-hmm. on this planet? That's the only thing I can take from it. I thought about that, right? Like, you know, okay. We don't see any dogs. We don't see, you know, we we see the little children in mm-hmm. one scene. We don't see, you know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's It's so bizarre. And it comes out of nowhere. Yeah. And again, it's it's just another thing where it's like, like you said, you know, I mean, I, I don't know that Lucas was getting high, you know, but I mean, it, it is that kind of like, dude, wouldn't it be awesome if there were monkeys? Uh, you know, spiders, spiders are cool. Let's put in some CGI spiders. Yeah, yeah I don't know. 
And that's the thing with this. And this is okay. the thing I want to sort of touch on very briefly before we finish up is obviously, as we said, we watched the director's cut or the, the special edition, whatever you want to do. I Googled it. Unless you own this pre, I think it was, I think mm. he did like 2005, I think he did it. So there are some mm -hmm. DVDs kicking around of that original cut, all right? Mm -hmm. But they're quite rare and they're very expensive now. Um, so you can only get this redo version. And mm -hmm. he did it with Star Wars. He obviously did the special editions in the two in the 90s and then redid them again in 2002, which is when he redid this one. What is it with George Lucas and just like eradicating his history? It's almost like he, you know, he sort of looks back at this thing and he's almost, but what, what I find most bizarre is he goes back, adds all this special stuff in and then doesn't answer certain questions that are like clearly sort of like an issue with the film. And you're like, you could have done this, yeah. this and this. Well, you know, in the long run, I'll tell you what will happen is that, you know, I mean, right now it feels as if he's obliterating history because mm. we don't have access to the the earlier versions. Now, Star Wars, they they apparently did say we're, we're going to get they gave people access to that. I mean, you can get DVDs that have the original yeah. cut. I mean, but THX is different. Um, I mean, you know, I, I'm sure that it's hard to find the original, you know, version of Blade Runner. You know, I mean, did they still put that out? I, yes, I, yeah, yeah, no, they did. There was a, there was a, so you can buy at the moment, you can buy either the, 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 the final cut, I think it's called, isn't it? The final mm -hmm. cut, which is, a, but there's a seven disc box set that just has got mm. all the editions on, the, all the oh, variants on. Okay. So you can buy that. I mean, it's not cheap, granted, but it's out there. Yeah. But, you know, like what I'm, what I'm going to suggest is that in the long run, and it's like, you know, we have multiple versions of Frankenstein. We have multiple versions yeah, yeah, yeah. of a lot of classic novels. Um, and, you know, some of those, you know, in most cases, the, the author themselves went back and radically revised, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's a version that is generally preferred. But, um, you know, those versions exist and they're studied by scholars. And I think that's basically what's going to happen. Um, when these things lose their copyright, then you can't prevent the, yeah, the other thing. version. Yeah. 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 And there's a, there's a matter, I mean, I don't know about for THX, but obviously for Star Wars, but I don't know many of the directors that do this. I mean, I know that sort of James Cameron did it with um, Terminator 2 when he did the 4K restoration, but not to this level. Like he, he basically sort of like eradicated. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, what's his name? Jason, Pat not Jason Patrick, but the T1000's testicles at one point because they were in a shot that they weren't supposed to be. Ah. Uh, and he tidied up some, um, he tidied up some explosions and some other bits. But other than that, he was like, oh, I just, I just 4K'd it. Um, but never to this level. Like, you know, I just find it fascinating that George. I, I'm okay this. with it. I mean, mm. you know, I, I feel like everybody kind of hates on Lucas for doing that. Um, Look, you know, I mean, I, I make comics every time that I uh, actually with prose. Usually I'm like, no, I have edited this so much that I, you know, rarely want to touch anything when I'm doing, mm -hmm. you know, a new version or new edition. Um, that's not usually the case. I mean, usually a lot of a lot, a lot of writers silently change stuff between new editions. Mm -hmm. um, but. You know, but it's not. The, the sort of Lucas stuff, but you know, I, I mean, every time that you, you know, I I do a, a comic, I'm I'm sort of slightly tweaking the colors in the background. I'm slightly, yeah, but there's, you there's, know, 
there's slightly tweaking things, but then there's like, compl- I mean, again, yeah. like, there's a budget thing. I can understand if you want to change it for certain things, maybe. But there's, there's a point at which you stop, don't you? You know, you sort of go, oh, I'm changing it and this, that. This just felt excessive. I mean, like, again, with Star Wars, mm-hmm. it got a re-release. And I, again, like, I even liked some of the changes that were made for the special editions. Like, it tidies yeah. things up. It makes things neater. That some, some of the special effects are much better. But then adding things in is like, you know, adding in, like, the uh, Han and... and um, we'll talk about it, maybe, when we get... Han doesn't shoot first. Yeah, they change things yeah. like that, and they. That, and then that's they, a big change. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, it changes things, and then it, then he meets with um, Jabba the Hutt, and he steps on his tail, and all that. Those sorts of things where you're like, you didn't, you didn't need to add them back in. You didn't need to make yeah. that change. Like, then, but like the know, Jabba know, so. thing, the Jabba thing, I think is defensible because it's like that was part of the original vision. There's yeah. Jabba in the background. You know, like the problem is that it is not the same guy as in the Re- Return of the Jedi, and there's no yeah. way of really squaring that circle but i mean like at least there you can say like that was the original vision Mm. you know rightly or wrongly you don't have to like that but you know the director couldn't do it and Mm. he wanted to and and they allude to it with dialogue you know like so okay i can see that but why are you adding monkeys why are you (laughs) like you know why like clearly if your intention was always that han shot second why did you suck so bad at depicting that the first time through. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, there are things like that that I, I know what you're saying. Ultimately, though, I mean, I think, you know, we have all these director's cuts. We have, mm. you know, I mean, they're very common. And mm. um, yeah, you know, and some of them are, I mean, there are, I think there are three cuts of Alexander, um, yes. yeah, you know, yeah. which, which I think is a very underrated film, uh, mm. not a masterpiece, but, you know, a very underrated film. Um, and, well, really, really you know, Scott's done it several times again. Sort of that was, um, yeah. What was the other the medieval one where he goes to Jerusalem and and mm, you know mm-hmm. with, with um, Orlando Bloom? Yeah, this, he does it a lot, and I know that sort of you know sometimes they're sometimes they're much better, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, hmm. and you know, I mean, at the end of the day, it, you know, I don't know. It's it's just, it is can be a strange thing to have multiple versions, but. <laughs> But there's okay. There's there's there's. I suppose, and I suppose Ridley Scott and Blade, Blade Runner is probably the best comparison mm. to this because that got tweaked a number of times. And I do love that film. I think you know. It's, but th- this is where, like you say, it's th- if it's your baby, if like with, with 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 you know with Ridley Scott and that film, like it was clearly like a um, a passion piece after a point, like an obsession almost. But THX one one three eight doesn't feel like that. It almost feels like a you know. Well, I've done it with Star Wars, so I should really go and do this one as well. Sort of like, and then, and then he's gone a bit crazy with it. I don't know. It just feels, um, yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like, you know, the strange thing is that I feel like with with THX, um, there is the potential for a really interesting good oh, movie yeah. here, and I, and I feel like if if you're going to go back in and tweak stuff. You know, I mean, you know, not and they, they did reshoot stuff. I mean, it wasn't mm-hmm. all just CGI stuff. They did reshoot stuff, it, you know, but not with the main characters. But, you know, um, it, it, it does seem like you could go even more crazy um, and you could kind of flush this out and make this. Um, I mean, I, I think that there's a version of this film that is really good and mm-hmm. I can see, you know, I don't know, uh, 
uh, a Chris Nolan doing Denis, a, a, a brilliant. Villeneuve. Give it to yeah. Denny Villeneuve. There you go. You know, that's who I'd, I'd give it to. But I think one of the things I'd find interesting is, and we'll wrap up on this. Because you're right, I think there's a great version of this movie. Like there's a potential. It's, the, it's the potentiality of this film that I find fascinating, and it, it's because there's ideas here that I think could be expanded upon. And I wonder why there's not uh, novels or comics or something else that just exist in this world that go, okay, well, we're going to actually like explore this in a wider thing. Like, I think, you know, why do we have, again, like, you know, in, in this world, like, you know, we have Robert Duval. You said that we don't know this is global. All right? So, But then we have Robert Duval with an American accent and Donald Pleasance with an English accent. So, like, mm-hmm. you know there's that crossbreeding. We've got the, the racial thing. We've got the sexual thing. Like there's so much here that I'm surprised someone hasn't picked up and gone. I've got a novel to write in this place. Like I've, I, there's a follow on or there's another story to tell in this world. It almost feels like an untapped potential for all those different bits and pieces. So I find that kind of fascinating. Anyway. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, just as a quick note, uh, the original film, uh, when it was released was in fact novelized. Uh, uh-huh. by none less than Ben Bova, you know, big sci-fi guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, according to Wikipedia, it follows the plot closely. However, they have, they do depict a new character, Control, who is the in charge of the city. And you get to see his point of view. So you get to see, you know, your complaint mm. about not having like the, um, you know, the people in charge, right? Um, then, uh, there's, there are a few other changes, uh, with the mind lock and everything. Um, you see LUH's trial and death. Uh, so that's not just off screen. Um, and then finally at the end, uh, THX climbs up and spends the night in the superstructure and exits in the morning and finds other humans are in fact alive outside. So you get more of an answer there. This is why I love novelizations. Because <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact that, like, you know, and some of that might have been in the original concept. Like, Lucas might have actually written a lot of that stuff. And then had, we haven't got the budget or we haven't got the time or we haven't got the to do it. Here's the, put it into the novelization. Or Ben Bova's gone, this is missing all the things that we've talked about. <laughs> I'm going yeah. to put them in and no one can stop me. Um, it, I would, I'd, I'd be interested to know that. Yeah, oh, that sounds like it could be quite quite interesting, actually. I mean, that maybe you know meets that potential that I think you know is there for this. That'd be quite interesting to to find out. Anyway, we've hit our time for THX. The time the budget is over tolerance, and we're now to leave this project. Um, we're at six percent over yeah. our lot of time. It ends right now. That's right. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> uh, so, any final thoughts on uh, THX one one three eight? I mean, it. Uh, I did. If you want a sleeping aid, that's also really interesting. You know, mm. I mean, that's a little unfair. Um, I'm glad I finally got to see it. It, mm. it is an interesting movie. I might rewatch it at some point. Um, you know, it's uh, it's it's not horrible. Neither is it amazing. Uh, but it does have. I mean, there are some amazing shots. There are some cool ideas. Um, it's not going to grab you though. No, I'm, I'm very much the same. Like, I'm really glad I've watched this. It's one of those ones that sort of like I've known about for years. You know, I've known the, the purpose of it, but like, you know, but then it's like, like you say, it's not blown me away. And I, so I, I understand why this is 
an opening piece. It's his first feature-length film. He went on to do something else with American graffiti and that. Um, this has got interesting ideas. Some of it is clearly picked up and, and expanded upon in Star Wars, I think. But um, as you say, it's more of a um, a completionist. If you want to go back and see like where this thing started, it's worth seeing. I'd, I'd recommend seeing it, but do not expect to be blown away um, or engaged a, a whole lot. <laughs> I, I do have one final thing I have to add. What is with the Buck Rogers footage at the beginning? Like, we all know oh. that Star Wars was, like, inspired by the serials and stuff. I mean, what is with that? No, that's a very good point, because I was expecting that to pay off in some way of being, like... Because it's Book Rogers in the 25th century, and that's, that was mm-hmm. the thing. So that's the only connection I could make, is, like, that's what we thought the, that's what we thought the 25th century was going to be. Here's ah. what it really is. That's, all, that's the only thing I could think of. It's, like, we thought it was this big adventure, but it's not. It's the complete opposite. It's, um, it's, that, it's the American introduction to Miracle Man, right? You know, yeah, yes. hey, 1984 was going to be great, you know. Exactly, yeah, that's, that, that's the only thing I could think of, was like, this is meant to be a, yeah. a comparison piece. And you've got this idea of Book Rogers versus versus THX, who's sort of a compliant and mm. stuff. But it doesn't really play out in any other part of the film. That's the only thing I could take from it. Yeah, it kind of seems like, oh, that's fascinating. Why aren't we watching that? <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> I'm going to go watch Buck Rogers. Yeah. Biddy, biddy, biddy. Um, yeah. So, no, there is that. But, um, yes, anyway, so, yeah, that's what I think. This is. It's 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 worth seeing if you can get hold of it. Um, but it's not compulsory, I think, to sort of, you know, for things. We've seen other films that are much better. Mm. Uh, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope you enjoyed our conversation, and you may do often watch THS. But let us know. Have you watched this? Have we got it wrong? Do you think there's a there's a masterpiece here? as I saw in several reviews that described this as a masterpiece. Really? Yeah. Let us know what you think. Is this George Lucas's hidden gem that, you, you know, we should all be sort of uh, really talking about. Uh, come find us on at pod time space on uh, social media. Let us know. Uh, but, or leave us a review, you know, tell us we're idiots. Go, on, go give us a two star review. Tell us we're idiots. I don't care. Let, let us engage with us. <laughs> let us know what you think. Preferably I'm a five star review. Uh, we want to hear from you. We really do. Yeah. Cause you know, we're brilliant. I mean, you know, we, we tell you what to think. And, you know, uh, we're smarter than you, and that's why we do this. And so we tell you what to think. I think that's what how we pitched this originally. Exactly. That was it. It was just to sort of influence us. <laughs> we are going to be the sci-fi movie review podcast. Um, but, yes, yeah, please leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Uh, and if you really enjoy what we're doing, go check out the Patreon. Uh, it covers both this and 20th Century Geek. Uh, that's uh, patreon.com slash 20cgmedia. Uh, it's 20th Century Geek Media and uh, more than anything uh, not only will, te- will Julian and I tell you how to think about sci-fi movies <laughs> we're also going to tell you how to think about the Twilight Zone as well uh, we have Trekking Through the Twilight Zone which each week we do um, a 15 to 20 minute episode on an episode of the Twilight Zone we're now well into so we're getting to season 3 we've done the first two full seasons that are out there um, now you are going to be getting that interspersed with this. You will get some of the uh, you're going to get the early ones, but that's only every other week. So you will never catch up to what's been done on uh, on the Patreon. There's hours of sort of like entertainment on there and some fascinating episodes. Because I'm the newbie, and Julian's coming out really sort of from a, a, a an experienced sort of like viewer. So go and check that out. And there's other stuff on there as well that's uh, that's kind of cool. I'm at- uh, but for now, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for listening. We greatly appreciate all our listeners and uh, we'll hope to see you 
on the next episode. streams.